This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Greetings and salutations, Art of War family. I'm your host, John, and I'm super excited today because we get to talk about Sisters of Battle with our special guest, Andrew Gagno. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Nadavati, who's one of the most accomplished 40K players in history. Hopefully, you are listening to us on the Frontline Gaming Network, where you can find the best competitive-minded podcasts on the planet, like Chapter Tactics, Signals from the Frontline, and of course, the second best competitive podcast in the world, 40K Stat Center. Nick, you've got a long, long history with Andrew. Why don't you tell us about him and get us started? Yeah, so Andrew has been one of the oldest friends I've had playing Warhammer um, in length of time. I've known him and in age. And he's uh, we've been on ETC Team America together for six years, I want to say. Uh, he was my captain for four of them, something like that. Uh, we, we've had some good times in the past. We've both fought each other in the finals of many tournaments and in throughout the course of the past decade or so, we've each taken turns kind of beating up the other one repeatedly. It's definitely my turn to be on the receiving end. So I, Andrew's bested me in the last, I don't know, four or five tournament games we played in a row. So I definitely need hit to get his number back, but, um, that's all I got to say for Andrew. Andrew, is there anything you want to add? Nope, just uh, happy to be here and happy to chat about sisters. Well, yeah, well, it's really exciting to have you since uh, literally no one plays sisters. Uh, you probably have the number of sister players I know on one hand. So, uh, being the bandwagoner you are and not the diehard sisters player, what better person to talk about sisters than you? You know what? I agree. You're getting you're getting a fresh perspective. So I've I've dabbled in sisters kind of over the last few years definitely but but more so as a splash in an imperium army i'm not going to say i'm a tried and true sisters player so i had a i had a small force before this came out i probably had like 30 seraphim 20 foot sisters some characters that sort of a thing so new models new army kind of fit my play style so it was a good opportunity to uh jump on that bandwagon and ride it to ride it to the victory Awesome. So since you're, you know, you've won a GT with sisters, which is a feat most people didn't know was possible. Um, why don't you go through and tell us about your list to start? Yeah. So the basics of the list are, you know, it's, it's more of a denial sort of list um, for ITC format. Uh, for sisters, I'm a mix of Valorous Heart and Bloody Rose, uh, but it's it's 90% Valorous Heart. Um, so I have Celestine and a Canonist. As my HQs, I just have a single battalion of Valorous. Uh, then I have three big sister units. Uh, I think it's 10, 10, and 12, uh, each with two Stormbolters. The 12-man only has one. Um, honestly, the Stormbolters were not necessary at all. It's just those were the models that I had painted to make body count, and they were cheap. Um, then I have an Imagifier, because the big thing that you know about Valorous Heart is that they natively ignore minus one AP. 
but when in range of the Magifier, they can also ignore minus two if you have the right tail. Then I have 30 Seraphim. They all have the Inferno pistols. Um, I was back and forth. I still kind of like some hand flamers because sometimes you just want to go take out a little bit of trash and Inferno pistols aren't the most fun for that. Um, but in the beginning, I was much more in the hand flamer bandwagon and Nick talked me out of it and I've been very happy with the Infernos. So that's all of my Valorous Heart. Uh, then I have a 1CP detachment. I guess it's a... I wrote a Vanguard. I'm going to trust past Andrew and think that that's the one of the elites. Uh, it's a missionary, two hospitalers, and 10 Zephyrum that are bloody rose. Um, hospitalers are really key. They're, they're cheap, uh, which is really nice for them. They heal models. They kind of pay for themselves pretty much over the course of the game. They auto bring guys back. Um, but the big thing about them is the, the strat to uh, make all sisters units within six inches, not have to add the casualties that they took to the morale check. So it's really nice because you still get to roll and you basically can't fail unless someone's stacking a bunch of modifiers. And so on a one, you could just pick up a free miracle die for the heck of it. Then, and this is the part that I think everyone kind of would expect, it's definitely not a pure sister's army. I have a heavy support detachment with a couple twin last cannon venerable dreadnoughts, uh, chaplain dreads, sorry, uh, a mortis with double twin last cannon and three thunder fires. And it's a iron hand successor so that I can have the, uh, the mortis dreadnought be a character. Um, the one flaw that I kind of have found at sisters, at least in this current Marine meta is range support at, at any sort of good distance, any sort of indirect. Um, you know, I, I tested out exorcists. I didn't find they had a, had a great time. You know, people are gearing up to kill chaos knights and they're gearing up to kill repulsor executioners and stuff like that. They don't really have an issue with, with exorcists. And if, if all your eggs are in the exorcist basket for long range anti-tank, you generally get quite sad. So that's a that's a quick overview of the whole list. Interesting. So uh, I noticed your sisters are are fairly light on combat. Uh, they're they're just kind of sister bodies, which are amazingly tough for the points. You know, nine points ignoring AP minus one and two, two up armor and cover if you're getting that, and uh, four up invul otherwise if they're buffed properly between Celestine and the Warlord trait. Um, would you say that you were worried about? your lack of damage being an issue, like pretty much the only damaging portion of your army is like a, a splashing of Inferno pistols and the Iron Hands, or am I missing something? Uh, no, I think I think that if, if the army had one weakness, it's definitely that. Um, I wanted to have a... So the, the Zephyrum do a fair bit of damage, um, but with more and less than people think. A lot of people think they're just, you know, absolute world beaters. It is just power swords at the end of the day. With plus one wound, reroll to wound, they can put some real damage out. They are threatening, but they're they're not like a, like a star or something big. Um, I was supposed to have a second unit. I did not get them in in time because I picked them off of eBay and then had a heck of a time getting them. So I uh, didn't get a second 10 in. Uh, but I think I think the real issue with the list, and, and it worked well, right? It was a denial list. But the sisters' damage output was was pretty anemic. Um, you know, Infernos are solid. Uh, they'll pick up little targets. You know, because most of my plan is just to outscore my opponent. I think it was actually kind of funny. So I ended up winning just our, our little local 32-man GT, Hammer of the New Year. Um, the people that I beat took places, I think, two, four, five, six, and 10. So they're all really high up there. And all but one of them outscored me in battle points, even with losses to me. Um, so you're it was, was a very low-scoring army. Yeah. Yeah, but but it took the wins, right? So it denied points really well, which was which was almost more important than than killing a lot. You know, it's it's always fun to just like clean up someone else's models and have a blowout of a game. But if you're giving up as much as you're getting, you're still on a coin flip at the end of the day. So 
this list does not have a ton of damage output. I've kind of tweaked it for LVO, um, and I'll be playing a, a kind of a variant of this. But it was it was much more on the conservative kind of grindy. I'm going to be here. You're probably not going to move me. Your secondaries are hard. Sort of a sort of event. Nice. And that's where I think the Iron Hands add a really awesome element to your list because the problem with the Exorcist, as you put it, is uh, they're just going to die. And what the Iron Hands give you is shooting that more or less won't be shot back. Like Thunderfires can be hidden out of line of sight, and your other two Dreadnoughts are characters, so they're more or less immune to damage. I think that's a really important um, element to a Sisters Army. Do you think you were light on the Counterpunch? I'm trying to imagine like a, a Chaos Army or a Orc Army or Tyranid Army just running into you and charging you, wrapping some sisters and making your life hell from there. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely light in that aspect. Um, it, I would say that the natural way to go about the playing the list that I, that I had was, you know, I have the sisters arm that's really resilient. We already went through that. Um, what pairs well with that character dreadnoughts that can't be targeted. Thunderfire is hidden behind them. Right. Um, a rush army. I played a, I played a possessed star with a, disco that was like minus three or four to hit um those sorts of matches were my hardest where someone rushed into me because you know the two up cover is great um it's not always there though and it's definitely not there in combat um when someone charged in i had a couple times where someone charged in and, and i had to let a sister be wrapped because i just needed to push them back a little more um what I ended up having to do is just counter charge with with characters with zephyrum with chaplain dreadnoughts that sort of a thing because usually I can't think of a game that I did not deep strike the Zeph, and I also usually deep struck one or two Seraphim. Um, and honestly, against most trash, and I'll, and I'll throw the vast majority of, of Tyranids in that, and, and by trash, I just mean bad You mean Tyranids are trash, I get it. Yeah, yeah, Tyranids yeah. are trash. And also screw Tyranids. Um, but, you know, coming in, they don't love being slapped by strength three or four, two attack each sisters, rerolling ones to hit. Like, it's not great, but... They're like Kadashins that don't die, essentially. So, you know, if someone throws in 15 Gene Stealers at you, it's definitely going to hurt. But 15 Gene Stealers are not going to have a great time punching sisters either or getting hit by them back. So um, definitely the damage output was too low in this version, I think. So that that kind of made it a little bit hard to play at times. Uh, the LVO version will probably have a second squad of Zephyrum. And I'm probably going to try and tweak in just because I want to try them. Uh, a unit of Repentia just to kind of hide in the melange in the backfield out of line of sight and just be a counter charge. Interesting. Uh, you so actually I, just uh, go ahead, John. Uh, I just I just have a question, and I, I'm going to apologize for this in advance. But <laughs> can you tell me, like, sisters have these like wild names of things that I don't really know well. Can we talk a little bit about what sort of each of the units in your list, sort of what their what their baseline, what they what they do. Um, we talked about the hospitalers. I understand that, right? I understand what a basic sister is, basically a space marine with a bolt gun and a lower toughness, right? But, you know, I, I don't know what a Repentia does necessarily or uh, a Zephyrim or a Seraphim. Oops. Like, what's the difference? Sure. <laughs> so to go through them, uh, I think Nick mentioned some of this. Uh, there's Canonus with the Blessed Blade. Canonus is literally just a space marine captain, but tank three, strength three, T3. Um, the Blessed Blade's a relic blade. Plus two strength, minus three AP, D3 damage, if I'm remembering right. I have trouble remembering it because I never swung it. Because um, that was my plus one invul save character, as Nick mentioned. So I kind of needed to protect her. Celestine, T3, same sort of thing. Six attacks, strength seven, minus three, two damage. So she's pretty hitty. Um, Battle Sisters are, as Nick mentioned, uh, just space marines that are T3, strength three. 
the one other change is they are weapon skill four while their bliss skill is three. So they're not that great at slapping. Um, a magifier is kind of the, the banner person for the army. So that's what's giving the aura of units within six get the extra minus uh, ignoring AP2 as well. It, in a regular sister's army, it would be only be ignoring one. And then um, that's Valor's Heart. Not all sisters ignore AP1. Valor's yeah. Heart ignores AP1. And then the Imagifier normally would let you ignore AP1, but in a Valor's Heart detachment, ignores AP2. Just yeah, you ignore both. Uh, the other thing is you can take a second tail with the Imagifier, so you, the tails are the names of the, the auras that they have, and you could, or you could just not take the AP1. And the other one is uh, you could... There's two others, and I forget one of them because I don't really take it. I think it's Reroll Deny the Witch. Uh, but the one that I would consider taking is plus one strength for sisters units in range, uh, which kind of makes your slaps hurt a little more. Seraphim, exact the same as Bolter sisters, except they have jump packs and they get weapon skill three. That's it. Um, they still have one attack. Uh, they still have, you know, a sergeant with two. They have bolt pistols and two models each have dual infernos or dual hand flamers, or you could not take them and just stick with bolt pistols. Um, Inferno pistols are just fusion. Yep. The real thing about Seraphim, while we're on the subject, is that they're two points more than regular sister and come with a jump pack. So it's a really nice upgrade there. Yeah, they're great. They're they're fly screens. They have a, a, a awesome strat with deadly descent. So deadly descent, uh, one CP when you come in, you get to fire immediately. Um, and for the purposes of that attack, your pistols get plus six inch range, um, which is really nice because you can fire in the infernos on the drops. So you can drop in and fire four meltas into something and your bolt pistols, and then you can still fire again in the shooting phase. However, you lose the bonus range then, so you don't get the bonus range in the shooting phase too. Um, it's a nice threat to have. Uh, I haven't had it really ever do something super super amazing uh kind of one of the nice little trick things you can do with it and i didn't do it at this gt because it just didn't come up i had to use my zephyr a little more defensively was uh they fire immediately so as a the controlling player you deep strike in seraphim you fire if someone tried to scream just like five chuds you could shoot them kill them and then your next unit deep striking in could potentially go closer that never came up for me but that's been a oh it's something you could do with them for a while now uh it was before this book too into Bloody Rose. Um, missionary and Hospitalers don't have an order, so they don't really conflict for me. They can help everyone. That's why they're there. Um, missionary is the plus one attack aura guy. He also has a, uh, if I'm remembering right, models, Adeptus Minusnorm models that flee within six inches of him or in units within six inches of him on a four plus, they don't flee. So it helps protect you from morale. Not that it really comes up much because you have the Hospitalers. Already mentioned them. Little characters, they auto bring back a model or they heal D3. Uh, three inches into the movement phase, if I'm remembering right. And then they have the ignore uh, the casualty for the morale check for units within six. Zephyrum are jump pack sisters. There's 17 points each instead of 11 like a Seraphim, so they do get a little bit pricier. Uh, they get a second attack. Sergeant has three. They have two. Uh, they all have power swords, and they natively have reroll wounds. Uh, all wounds. So... With Bloody Rose, they're getting an extra attack and an extra AP on the charge, get charged heroic. So they're they're pretty hitty, you know. When they drop in, even if they're nowhere near your support, they have 31 attacks with power swords that reroll the wound. It's pretty nasty, and it's minus four because of the, the Bloody Rose bonus. And I am just going to take a swag here and say everyone knows what Iron Hands do um, and what the, the Dreadnoughts and Thunderfires are there for. Probably the one yeah. tweak, and I actually stole this idea from you, Nick, and it didn't help me at all, so I hate you. Um, Excellent. which was for my second trait, I didn't really have anything that I really felt I needed. And I took warded. I actually still kind of like it. So warded's five plus million pain against mortal. That's wound. right. 
I want you mentioned it by me once. And I was like, that is kind of clever. And then I was reading it going, I don't really need plus one advance of charge. I don't really need any of these others. I was like, well, what about warded? Um, normally my default would have been stealthy. Um, because sometimes you just can't find great places to hide thunderfires or to hide other stuff, or sometimes you want to send a chaplain dreadnought out because things have went sideways and he's going to be the closest. Being cover is kind of nice. Uh, but warded, I still kind of like it on paper because if someone comes in with mortal wound mechanics. Um, Raven Guard Sniper Armies, I think it actually might be pretty nice against them. Um, you get the, the five plus pin of pain against it. So that's pretty sweet, actually, because then your, your character dreadnoughts, if they get shot by Raven Guard people, have a little bit of protection. What's, what's more important there is also the, the Raven Guard guy with the four damage sniper rifle, the Phobos yep. Captain. He is horrible for tech mates, just one shots them. But with female pain, essentially, he probably doesn't. Yeah, I actually didn't even think of that because I've, one, I haven't played against him recently. And then two, the odds of him getting in sight on my tech marine are. He ignores line of sight. So he, that does not care. What did you say? He ignores line of sight. So, the four damage guy, I think ignore line of sight, you can only do that if you have three damage shots, if I'm remembering right. So the Warlord trait for a Phobos captain, because he's a uh, Phobos guy, yep. there's a Warlord trait awesome for plus damage. one damage on a ranged weapon, and then there's a Relic, Cordivari Volts for Raven Guard, which is ignore line of sight and recover. And that so makes you a three damage, right? Or is it a Mastercraft? It'll stalker? make your three to a four, because it starts okay, off so with Mastercraft and Stalker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, well... He might be I able know to this face. because I've lost many tech rings to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't had to face him, but that has actually, you know what? Let's say that I did that on purpose. Exactly. But Let's I really did that Nick, it was Nick's idea. I think we should focus on that. I, I did say that. And also, I, I it was more because I, I don't really like the idea of snipers and other stuff, or if things go sideways and, and you know, smites get into me or something like that, losing mm -hmm. them that easily. And I didn't really have anything else I needed. So that was that was a reason for warded. I kind of stand by it, even though it didn't come up in my games. Yeah, makes total sense. Cool. So uh, one thing you did kind of mention is your army, I, and I always describe Sisters this way as well, it's kind of like a Catatron Brigade type of thing. Like a Sisters army is the core to an Imperial soup of the modern era, where it used to be Guard, now it's Sisters. Um, that's usually just due to their durability and their access to give you tons of command points. Um, Usually the way you would use guard in that sense is to fuel another command point battery or a command point necessary thing. So like mm -hmm. Blood Angels, for example, or a Castellan. Um, you're not doing that. Your Iron Hands are pretty self-sustaining, don't really need command points at all. So what are the strats you use for your sisters that weren't two battalions and all that stuff? Well, so I only have the one battalion and I'll say... Oh, you only had the one. I'm sorry. Yeah, the CP was a bit low, but as you said, I use basically nothing ever on the the iron hands detachment uh the bloody rose i'll use the cp for a plus one to wound um with their melee weapons so if i'm charging the zephyrum squad i'll probably use the plus one to wound um deadly descent that i mentioned the seraphim shoot on deep strike i'll use that sometimes uh, i'll use that almost every game along with the plus one to wound one those are my two common ones um the hospitaler ignore uh the morale is my other one and then beyond that, honestly, I don't use almost any other strats with this. I, I rarely even use rerolls because I'm using Miracle Dice um, or I'm just suffering it because the, the CP are pretty low, right? You're buying an extra roller trait for the Canonists. Um, you know, you're going to be making the one a character Dreadnought. You only start at 10. You need Litanies of Faith for the reroll the Morale Dice. Um, I didn't mark on the one that I sent you guys, but Celestine's the Warlord in this, so I buy the trait for the Canonists. Um so, so yeah, it's CP light, but no I don't really know what sisters do. Do you want to kind of just walk us through what your pregame expenditures are and what they mean? 
Yep. Uh, so like most books nowadays, I'll kind of buy the extra warlord trait. So I'll buy it for the candidates and do plus one invul save. Um, sometimes I will get cheeky and buy her the fancy pistol just because it's really cool. I don't think I actually did it this tournament, but I have an RTT. That pistol is amazing. Who buys relic pistols? What? You're the only person who would buy a relic pistol. Okay, okay. Guess what the profile of the relic pistol is. Strength 4, 2 shots, AP 2. Strength 5, minus 2, 2 damage, 4 shots, 18 inches. 4 shots, 18 inches. I'll give it to you. It's not bad. It's it's essentially Pharos's gun, Pharos's heavy bolter, same profile, except one more shot in half the range. Pharos is AP3. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, is he? he oh, well, okay, sure. Because of the doctor. He lives in Devastator Doctrine. Yes, fair. But it's a pretty sweet pistol. Um, Litany's of Faith is like the relic I will never leave home without. That's my free relic. Um, you give it to a character. It lets you re-roll the first miracle die that you get every turn. So if you're going second, the one you get at the start of the battle round, uh, you could re-roll because it's your opponent's turn, and the one you get at the start of your turn, you could re-roll because it's your turn. Um, if you go first... I personally play that you can only reroll one of them, even the ones at the start of the battle round and ones at the start of your turn. I don't think there's a differentiation there. Um, so yeah, you can reroll and try to get higher or lower depending on what you need. Um, Celestine's the thing giving me the other miracle dice. Um, so those are my typical expenditures for that little bit of my sisters. Um, sometimes I will buy a second Tale of the Warrior for my, uh, or Tale, I think Tale of the Warrior is one of the specific ones. Uh, for my Imagifier, so I'll do the Ignore AP one almost always, unless my opponent doesn't have any AP two, which is pretty rare, honestly. Most people have something, and it's worth taking, because the whole point of the list is to live. Um, the other one I'll buy is the plus one strength that I mentioned. And I'll do that in any match that someone's going to be charging into me with stuff that I could realistically threaten with slaps. Um, even like a Warp Talons or like a Possessed Star or something like that, they don't like just eating random strength four slaps. It it makes it a little more dangerous for them. But I don't if you care. Can kill an extra twenty point marine because of nonsense, you know, that's not bad. Yeah, exactly. Um Seraphim already mentioned the strats on them. Hospitalers mentioned that one. Uh pregame expenditures otherwise um would be sometimes I make it the more to stride on a character. I I guess if I play someone that doesn't have any uh like long range shooting maybe i wouldn't but i don't know i might still reflexively anyways you always make him a character um and then you know maybe a warlord trait for a chaplain dreadnought or something like that mm -hmm. gotcha so that makes that's sense. It, honestly yeah yeah and then you don't spend too many in during the game because you do have miracle dice to fix most of your problems do you want to walk people through what you use miracle dice on and maybe explain how it works for those who don't know sure so the first thing I could do is I could bring up that argument that everyone likes to have about Miracle Dice. Um, <sighs> do you want to bring it up and then just explain that it doesn't work the way everyone thinks it does? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so essentially Miracle Dice are something you can use once per phase unless you have something like a Simulacrum that lets you uh, use another one for a unit. So you get one per phase. And you can use it for a specific set of things. I will not say all of them right now. It's like hit, wound, save. Deny the Witch, Charge, Advance, and there might be one or two others I'm forgetting. Um, so you can do it, but you have to do it after the roll. So if I roll a two, I'm stuck with it. Unless I want to use a one CP strat to discard a number of Miracle Dice and give plus one to the die roll for as many as I discard. So it's a good way to late game, if you have a CP and you flubbed a roll and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I didn't think I'd fail that. Um, you could bonus it up, but it's only for hit, wound, and save, if I remember right. 
in general, just so far, I think he misspoke. You you have to decide you're going to use a miracle dice instead of a normal dice before you roll any die rolls. Correct? No, no, I was I was skipping ahead. I said for a one oh. CP strat, you can do it. There's a strat oh, okay. you can do it for hit wounds and saves after you roll. So like you roll a one for a Celestine save and you go, shit, I didn't think I needed a miracle die for that. You can yeah. add plus one to it for a one CP strat and discarding a miracle die. But that's the only time, which is what I was going to say, that you can do it after you roll. Otherwise, you're always doing it beforehand. Um, the, the argument I was joking about is that people always get confused about what is a roll, right? Um, when they define hit roll, wound roll, save roll, those sorts of things, it always gets merged in people kind of confuse uh, the concept of fast dicing because we think of make a hit roll, roll 10 dice. But that's not a hit roll. That's 10 hit rolls, right? So you can swap one of them. So if you rolled four Meltas and you got four hits and four wounds, you cannot swap four dice on the damage roll because that's four different rolls. That'd be using four miracle dice. Uh, so you can swap one. You have to do it before you roll. If you're rolling one at a time, you could swap the third one before you roll the third one. But essentially, uh, you get to sub out a die before you've rolled it. So if you roll two misses on your Meltas, when you roll your third Melta hit, you go, you know what, I actually do need to get a hit here. I'm going to swap in something to hit now. So you're um, actually choosing to roll slow dice, I suppose, to see if you need to use the Miracle Dice on the later ones. Yeah, you could do that. I don't actually think I ended up doing it, but that is a way that you could do it if you're not fast dicing. Um, but yeah, you get to swap one die is the main thing. The things I typically will use it for, um, the number one thing you use it for is charge rolls. Um, it's such a powerful mechanic to be able to just know that you're going to pass a charge from reserve. Nick, I think charge rolls aren't fast dice, right? Charge rolls are two dice at the same time. You could actually substitute both, both die rolls. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Thank you for that clarification. So the thing that Nick was subtly pointing out to me since I forgot it was, uh, you can, su the, there's some language in the book that says, Hey, sub multiple dice. That's when a dice roll involves two dice. So a charge roll is a single roll. It's a single thing. It involves two dice. You can sub both of those. But a hit roll is a one die thing. So thank you, Nick. Um, I would have gotten called out for that. <laughs> um, I should have let it happen. <laughs> uh, you're too good of a friend. So the charge roll is the main thing. It's such a different dynamic to an army to be able to just have an auto charge from reserve. Um, it changes how your opponents kind of think about screening and where they put their units. And I don't think people have adjusted to it yet. I don't think as a player I've adjusted to being able to do it, really. Um, I think sometimes you leave things hanging out to dry and you're like, well, I mean, he's got to pass a nine inch charge. I've had opponents say, do you have any way to make your charge easier? And I just kind of look at them and I'm like, just like at the start of the game, I'm just going to choose to pass it by using my miracle dice. Um, so one thing I will give a shout out to is just please don't use miracle dice for your miracle dice. Don't don't just set dice down. They're going to get picked up or knocked over. I write all of mine on the top of my ITC score sheet. And then as soon as I use one, I scratch it out. That Definitely use the same color dice, no distinctness at all. Put them right next to your dice pile. <laughs> hey, and it'll uh, be fine. I had two fives, right? Was it was it two fives that I had? All sixes. It was definitely all sixes. Uh, except yeah, it was definitely like three sixes. I'll just write those back. I, I definitely rolled a one from morale when I need that. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I write all mine down because that way I can scratch them out. I think the and, and Nick is probably gonna have a chuckle at this. My biggest issue using miracle dice is that I am so cheap and conservative as a person that when I go to use miracle dice, it's it's almost always like the end of the game and I have like 17 miracle dice and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't use any of these. Um, sorry, dog's going on with the squeaker. Um, 
So I think I think learning how to budget and to use them and actually like put them into play throughout the game is probably the biggest thing that I have to practice with. Uh, one thing that I should use them for is morale. Because because that's an obvious use for them. Um, I don't know if I remembered to at all the tournament. Now, frequently I had more than one squad taken casualty, so I wanted the hospital strat. And as soon as you use that, you don't really need it. Um, but I should have used a lot more for that. I tend well, I not to a lot of times it'll come up where only one unit's taken casualties, and I'm sure you could use the hospital strat, or you could use a miracle die, whichever you guess is the more less useful resource, which is probably the one on your miracle die. Exactly. Um, so that's something that I need to get better at. I find that like I kind of reflexively go to, I need to pass morale, just like someone else is going to go, well, he has to pass an inch charge. Um, when in reality, I didn't have to pass the morale. I had three ones sitting there that I've been rolling and going, damn it, I rolled a one, not a six. I wanted a six for my charge. Um, so the, the common things I'll use it for charging, um, I'll use for advances occasionally because also being able to guarantee that you go as far as you want to to get to an objective or to line up a, late, a charge later on. Is pretty important. Even, screening. even, even just screening. Even just basic screening. Yeah, even just basic screening. Uh, I, when I played against a possessed unit, I think I had to use that. And so I used a high miracle die because I didn't want to risk rolling low because I needed to get out to something. Um, or how many times have you had a game hinge on, I need to advance a five or a six to get to that objective or to get into that table quarter for recon or something. Being able to just say, I'm just going to advance six. Is pretty important, and generally there aren't a lot of other uses for them in the movement phase. Um, in a shooting phase, I tend not to use them for hits or wounds almost ever, unless it's the super key roll to end the game sort of a thing. Um, I will use them frequently for damage. Um, damage on the Meltas is, is obviously huge. Um, and then other than that, charge rolls in the assault phase, and uh, I don't think I typically use them for saves. I've never, I haven't had a situation come up yet where it's like, oh, you got that one save. I think I used one once because I was like, I really don't want Celestine to die. Spoiler alert, she did anyways. Uh, but I subbed out one of her saves to a pass because I didn't have another thing to use it for because you can't use it for her get back up. Um, and morale would be the last one that I would probably use Miracle Dice for. I guess one interesting thing you could do with the Miracle Dice there is you could roll your dice the old-fashioned way and see that you failed like two saves and if you pass i pass both those two saves you you live so you could command point reroll one of those two failed saves and if you pass then you can then sub out the miracle die with the other cp for, the, for like the third save you have to take that came next yeah yeah so you could you could like roll your saves fail two of them and still pass all of them in hindsight takes a little bit of luck, but all you have to do is pat, CP reroll one pass save and then just transform another one after the fact. Yeah, I, I think that Miracle Dice have a, have a fair bit of depth to them and how you use them, and I think it's going to take a while for, for kind of everyone to adjust, both playing against and playing with. I know it's going to take me a lot of time to get, to get better with them. I just need to get more reps in with them. Yeah, I played exactly one game with Sisters, and my takeaway from that game is I had no idea how to fully utilize Miracle Dice. Um, and I still haven't really played with or against them since then. So I was hoping you would have some more insights to share there. Way to not know things. <laughs> that wasn't good enough for you. It was good. It was good. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, so is there any like cre cool creative uses for Miracle Dice you found that you weren't expecting to, or is it all pretty much just what you just mentioned? I think it's all kind of pretty much what I expected. Um, the advances were something that should have been obvious, and I just don't know that I really thought about them too much, about how key they would be, like I mentioned, for you know, getting into a table quarter or something like that. 
a lot of times just with the way the deployment zones are positioned where you start getting into a table quarter in the first turn or something like that or later on when you're jumping out to get to something is really key um, for picking up a recon point because I tend to miss a lot of those um, items like that. Uh, that last turn trying to get in for line breaker or something. So I think the, the mission uses like that have been really neat. Um, charging, we all knew that was going to be the big one. Uh, it has been. Um, random overwatching with Inferno pistols. I think one of the most annoying things that I've done to someone was they charged me with a librarian dreadnought and I just got a hit on one of the Infernos and went, oh, and I got a wound and I went, oh, he said, how much damage? And I went, six. And he went, you rolled it? And I went, no, 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 you just have the six. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think there's just a little time sporadically that you'll you'll get this little joyful moment where you're like, oh, I can just be a real jerk right now just by picking the die roll. Um, yeah. And I guess you could have gone a step further. Like you got that one hit with an Inferno pistol on the Overwatch. And then I guess you could just be like, I want to spend a CP. And now I just have two hits because you transform one to a six. And two melted shots could have just one shot that dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some neat stuff you could do. I never thought of that. Yeah, actually, I'd never thought about Overwatch, but I actually think with with melted pistols, there's a lot of things that are suddenly charges get really scary. <laughs> you know, like especially with characters. I'm thinking, you know, like I don't know. It seems like it be could be pretty cool. Can you uh, just to make sure I understand? You can't. You can't. You could reroll an overwatch to hit or I'm sorry, substitute with a miracle dice and then also substitute for the damage because those would be different roles or no, no, you can only do one per phase. You do one basically act of faith, one miracle per phase. Okay. So a lot of your uh, army strategy seems to be play the mission, deny points, score the bare minimum, get by, win the game. Mm -hmm. So it's a very consistent win we'll say, but uh, very low scoring. Is that fair to say? It is. Um, I will say that ITC missions, since they aren't really, I, I would argue that ITC missions aren't really based heavily on a big score means a means a blowout means you just smash someone, right? Um, as you know, if you're getting a single kill with a Thunderfire, and even if it's a trash unit, and they're not killing anything of yours, and you're sitting on objectives, so are they? I just got a three point first turn. Like your score can still be pretty high. Um, I want to say after five games. And a couple of them were super close, so they were they were kind of lower scoring. I mean, I was still averaging about high 20s points, so I mean, it wasn't terrible. Um, you know, I had some 30s, and then I had some really, really tight games where I had to play very passively that were, you know, barely over 20. Um, right. So it's it's not like they, they will score just terrible, but they aren't, you're, you're not going to blow anyone out and get like a, you know, high 30s, 40 typically. Yeah, right? you just don't have the damage output to do that, right? You're not going to... Table somebody on three, typically. Yeah, also, I'll also call BS on like 90% of players that pull out 40s in ITC. Um, and then whenever you tell someone this, I'm like, no, 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 but, but my 40 was real. And you're like, sure. You had the bonus on five turns of the game, and every turn you kill more, held more, and max your secondaries. Was the, was the other awake? I have scored a perfect 42 twice. It is doable. It is doable. But especially in later rounds of tournaments. Oh, I it never happens later. It's like a round one thing, if that. And also, like, you have to have a certain army to do that because generally the bonuses are based on having every objective or having your opponent's backfield objective. If you're getting that on turn one... Yeah, well, there was... Uh, not the point not, army. Definitely not uh, to change the subject too far, but there was a guy at LGT who scored a 40 or 39 or something 
on, I believe it was mission five of the LGT, which in ITC is the one where it's four objectives and you have to hold the one your opponent moves. So it's like, and he had like triple repulsor as his army. It's like, how is that even possible? I think a lot of times, and, I, and I've seen this and I've heard this on other tables, it's literally not, right? They're playing against 200 orcs and somehow they pulled a 40, right? Yeah. You're holding their objectives on the early turns. And what it usually ends up being is someone going, oh, so I get maxed because I won. Or I yeah. got a 40, right? Um, it's like they table you, so it's like I get max or something like that. There's always this weird misunderstanding. So this list will not score those sorts of scores um, typically, uh, but it's really consistent. Um, something John and I were kind of chatting a little bit about when you had stepped away for a moment, Nick, was uh, durability. So not to segue away from the Miracle Dice too quickly, um, but I think it's, it's worth kind of mentioning that the point of the list is durability not going away, right? Um, However, uh, there are some flaws to that, and I will say they're just saves, right? They're single T3 wounds. Something like Centurions will just blast all over this because of the fact that they just say, no cover, take three ups. You know, taking three yeah. ups is solid, but taking 53 ups is a lot less pleasant. Um, for sure. And that's, I guess that's why you opted for, I mean, you have enough sisters to just run two battalions worth here. Um, and your HQs are dirt cheap. So is the reason you haven't opted for two battalions because you wanted three larger squads to deny kills and make good engineers, that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. They're there to, to deny kills, make good engineers. And, you know, I, I toyed around with just running a more body heavy list at first. And I just found when you have, so I have like 87 models, if you count Thunderfires and Tech Brain separately, something like that, 87, 85. Um, that makes Reaper a tempting choice. That's usually a trap. Usually people only score two or three at most on it. Um, but if you have 20 Seraphim deployed and 32 Sisters against most armies, they're not going to move you. You lose a couple models a turn, you put a couple back, it's, it's nothing happens. Or they can move you, and it does not matter if you have 32-foot Sisters or if you have 60-foot Sisters. They all just die. And your yeah. problem with having just like really, really bad damage output gets a world worse once you try and fit in those because when you're trying to fit in you know all the more foot sisters because like originally nick and i were, were talking about some of these and we're writing more body heavy lists like over a hundred yeah i was definitely in the spam sister body camp all of a sudden like first you're losing to zephyrum you're losing thunderfires you're losing dreads like and and all you're getting for them is bodies that probably don't die and it makes you almost way too passive when i played it right that makes sense um so what secondaries do you often go for? Is it all the board control secondaries? I know you've mentioned recon. You just spoke about engineers. What do you normally attempt? So I like recon because this army can kind of move up as a block in a lot of missions and just kind of hold the center. Um, and it's easy to get recon when you're in the center because um, everything's kind of close to you. Uh, so I like recon. It's not always my go-to. I engineer frequently, but there's a couple missions. And Nick, I, you play a heck of a lot more than me. There's a couple missions where the objectives really suck for engineers, where they're not yeah, near mission, mission three in particular. The objectives are always in the open, guaranteed. That's a tough one for engineers. Yeah, and I did that in one of my matches in this tournament. And like on turn one, I went, "Oh my god, why did I do this? This was a terrible idea." Because I was on autopilot. It was my game three. I was just kind of tired, um, and it was it was a bad choice. There's a couple missions where engineers kind of are not as good, and there's a couple matches where they're not as good. If someone's got thirty warp talents or something. I don't have pushback. I don't have infiltrators. I don't have scouts. Um, so if someone wants to get into me, they can get into me. Uh, if they get into me and just target my engineers, I'm probably going to have a bad day. Um, I'll just lose a secondary. So I'll do engineers a lot. 
Um, in objective heavy missions, I'm willing to do ground control. Um, there's a couple that have like three, I want to say, one or two of them that do, and I won't yeah. use anything like ground control on that. Um, engineers, recon, ground control. Uh, I will still occasionally do uh, old school. Um, I generally try to stay away from it unless someone has an aggressive warlord. But a lot of times people nowadays are building their armies to deny secondaries. And old school can be a really consistent two or three pointer if you don't really have anything else to choose. Um, this list is hard to get secondaries against, for example. A lot of people will try and take Headhunter. It's it's really miserable to get against me because while I have a lot of characters, they're really hard to dig out. Yeah, to get um, them, you basically have been tabled first. Exactly. So... You know, some people have just built lists to be so hard in secondaries that this list being good at passive secondaries is, is pretty nice. Um, yeah, that's a huge, actually. Uh, I think a lot of people get stuck on the idea of a denial list, like deny the primaries, don't give up kills, deny the secondaries, build a list that doesn't give up, like Game Buster, Reaper, Big Game Hunter, that kind of thing. But they, folk, they don't remember how to get secondaries on their own because a lot of those armies end up hiding in the corner um, which is it'll get you engineers sometimes and it won't get you recon it probably won't get you ground control so what secondaries are you accomplishing and your army actually does answer that fairly well yeah i'd say the final one that i will typically pick is almost every army has one secondary that they give up pretty consistently right someone with a board with a really body heavy army is going to give up reaper someone with uh there's a lot of tank armies out there right now right the admech tank army there's a couple others if I have to kill them anyways, I'll do big game hunter all day long. I'm, I'm going to be killing something, right? Yeah. Um, mark for death occasionally, but I really hate mark for death, and I and I would caution people just in general to be careful with mark for death. Same thing with Kingslayer. Um, if you're playing against a knight, take Kingslayer all day long. It's a great one. Uh, so is Titan Slayer. Um, if you're playing against Celestine and everyone picks this against me, I, a lot of people will pick it against me. Kingslayer on Celestine is terrible. Um, She's 160 points, and if 160 points on my army earns me four points from your score, she will be hiding back of the bus all game, just buffing in wall saves and going, guess you get zero for that. Um, so there's certain, like, and that would be my same caution mark for death. I have to remember that, like, if it's completely integral to their plan to use that unit, okay, I'll mark it for death because it's got to come at me anyways. But if they can live without it coming at me, they're probably just going to say, cool, I deny you a secondary. Yeah, I actually played a game very recently against the Seer Council, and I, I put Game Busters against it because I figured even if even if I don't kill the whole thing, I will probably still score you know two or three points on it. I have to chip away the Seer Council over the course of the game. Um, and up until turn three, I had done zero wounds to it because the guy was perfectly fine just hiding his Seer Council based on the way the mission was being played, and he was able to score a bunch of points against me anyway. And that's not normal, but that stuff can happen. So picking those killing-based secondaries against one specific unit is very dangerous. Yeah, and a lot of games are, are kind of won or lost on a couple points. So you have to kind of – and trust me, I've screwed this up a bunch too where like someone's put Kingslayer and Celestine and then I'm like, oh, but I need to finish off that thing. It's a 90% chance. It's totally going to happen. I'll throw Celestine out there. Shit. I just went out there to earn one point and gave up three. Yeah. Any, um, any consideration for King of the Hill with this list? Because I think this is one of the few lists that I've seen that I'm like, I can see in certain scenarios where it's a very doable, uh, doable Look, thing. King of the Hill is every model from the unit has to be in six, that, right? That's the hard part. Like, I originally was thinking, eh, I don't know, I could consider it. And then I looked and it was like, you can't use characters, has to be a multi-model unit. Every single model has to be in the center. They can't be scoring recon or engineer at the same time. I was like, 
So we, so why would anyone think this, guys? The I, only army I've ever seen do it successfully is Siegler's Tau with 3,000 two-man drone units. Fair. That, that's a good example. There's very niche armies that will do it. But, like, when you read that secondary, you're like, are you just telling me not to pick this in more words? <laughs> yeah, I've... It's just a very hard secondary because those units that want to be in the middle are also prime re recon getters because being in the middle makes it super easy to just hop between quarters whenever you need to. Exactly. Um, right. So probably so, probably easier just to get recon, right? And since you can't stack exactly. both, that makes sense to me. All right. Fair enough. Um, awesome. So I guess one of my... My last questions for this episode before we go into part two, what we cover all your matchups, where I think a lot of the nuances to your army are going to come into their own, um, is how would you adapt your army um, to other formats like ETC or Nova? You just had to ask it. Um, I did. I told you I would. <laughs> I think, I mean, so I'll say in general, I, nowadays I do not have that much time to practice games, as we all know. But I think that the bones of knowing how to, to make good decisions about your army and the bones of having an army that can be hard to kill, can reach out and get kills, all those sorts of things, they translate across any mission packet, right? You know, in, in Nova, you know, you're going to have, you know, some missions with progressives. You're going to have secondaries that aren't too dissimilar from, from ITC ones. Um, killing is always just going to be an important metric. You know, it, I think it translates fine to, to Nova, um, ETC, you know, it's, it's, I'm a few years removed from those missions. Um, but still, you know, you're, I'm, if I'm remembering right, you're still using Maelstrom cards. You still have some progressive objectives. You still have some end game objectives. Maelstrom cards typically are, are based on controlling piece of the board. So being on X objective at a certain time, killing a unit type, things like that. So all the same things about having LAS cannons hidden in your lines, thunder fires that can reach out and touch things that aren't, uh, visible, you know, units that don't get moved so they can sit on an objective and take it. All of those things, I think, apply no matter what mission set you're looking at. Um, I think if I was playing a different mission set, I think the big difference for ITC is the kill more, hold more mechanic. I think if that's not there, I don't have to worry about try everything I can to not give up a kill on turn one because it puts me off to an early lead. I don't need to worry about that then. So maybe I kind of relax my making my units really bulky a bit in other mission formats because it's not as key anymore. Uh, that would probably yeah, be that's really what I was going to ask about as a follow-up, so I'm glad you got there. was basically, yeah, you're right. I mean, holding objectives, killing the other guys is definitely the key to 40K, no matter what format you play. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, which what subtleties matter. Like, the reason your army is so potent in ITC is because it's hard to even get primaries off you. When that's not a concept, how would you change your army, I guess? Yeah, I think I, think I would probably be looking into... I'd be willing to lose units more, essentially. So I wouldn't have 10, 10, 12. I'd probably have some smaller units. I doubt I would go all the way to five-man because just leaving units that can easily be picked up is just a pain. Also, if you yeah. stretch out to block things or put rings on stuff, having to chain back to an aura with a five-man squad means it's a very limited unit to do that with. Um, but I think my squads would get smaller. I'd be worried less about not taking damage, and I'd be more worried about you know damage output. That makes sense. Um, and I guess, and you know, if you don't have an answer for this, that's okay because you didn't really were prepared for this. But for uh, ETC style format, for those players who play in the team event, specifically ATC, ETC, everything, you're using Space Marines as a small detachment. No team in their right mind will use Space Marines as a small detachment. They will use Space Marines to be Space Marines, uh, at least where we are with the current meta. So Any team that truly loves me for me 
would probably let me ruin their Space Marine army. So on our Canhammer team tournament, you're not getting Space Marines. <laughs> um, my team doesn't really love me. I just covered that. I, I, we don't. We don't. And um, uh, do you have any plans to replace that detachment? Is that something that you can replace? Uh, it's it's kind of unique as far as Imperium goes, but you could get something done similarly, I guess, maybe with Blood Angels or the other Space Marine factions. Uh, yeah. Guard I think, I think fire. If, if you boil down that Space Marine detachment, the Thunderfires are great. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're amazing. They're probably a little too cheap right now. Um, and I love them. Reaching out and having the indirect fire is great. You can't get that. There's no way really to replicate that well um, in any sort of small hideable package. So I think that isn't, I would say, the most important thing of this list. The most important thing of this list for me are the anti-tank that hides in my ranks. And you can actually replicate that pretty well with other Imperium nonsense. Um, I know we've chatted about this some, but... Do you want to tell them about our beautiful detachment? This, yeah, this is this is my favorite detachment ever. So it's an Astartes soup. Um, I'm probably going to make it slightly worse so that I can have one from every different type of Astartes. Um, just to show off. Just because they're cool as hell. Uh, so I want to have Bjorn, because he's a twin Laskin and Dreadnought, hiding there. He also gives you a CP. Um... I think it's only if you're Battleforged. There might be some other requirements, so I'll have to check. It might have to be your Warlord. I'm not sure. I don't think he... I think he's one of the ones that doesn't actually. So Bjorn, double Azkan Dreadnought. I just replaced a Chaplain for, you know, plus 30 points. Um, or 40, maybe. <laughs> um, Samuel on uh, Sableclaw. Another character puts out 18 really solid shots this army doesn't have. That's another one that hides in your lines. Both of them are pretty darn scary in combat, too, so they're good counterchargers. Um, Blood Angels have a ton of great characters, I would probably be looking at Mephiston personally, just because he's sort of self-sufficient. Um, he doesn't need the plus one to wound as much. Um, but the the Blood Angels characters get a little iffy because of the fact that some of their strength is their detachment bonus, which you would not have. Um, and then Grey Knights. There's there's really cool Grey Knight characters. They're a little slow, unfortunately. Voltus is amazing for his points. Um, but the big one is the Grey Knight Dreadnought or... Or I guess you can do the Land Raider, which people like and have been making work. Um, but I like the Dreadnought because it's cheaper, shooting with Astrolabe. So he becomes sort of like an ignore line of sight guy that can pick something up. So give him a Twin Lascan and a Missile Launcher or something like that, and just go to town shooting from behind a wall that he stares into. So just to recap, that detachment is Space Wolf Bjorn, Dark Angel Samuel, Grey Knight Dreadnought in your Supreme Command and Mephiston or some other character from Blood Angel smashing stuff. Yep. That's pretty amazing. That is that is totally amazing. Uh, any consideration for a Talon Master in there? Oh, I think I'm so happy you asked that question. I've never had good luck purely because of the heavy penalties. I, they're not awful, but but for me, they're a little bad just because of the fact that like, I hate hitting on fours with them. And, and Samuel, if I'm remembering right, still has, yeah, he definitely has the old reroll hits. So he only rerolls fails. So that way you're not getting to reroll uh, the, what, threes? Yeah, you're stuck on your, your ones and twos can be rerolled, not your threes. So, yeah. It's like I, an 8% drop in efficiency. I don't love them because they're, they're also like almost as expensive as Samuel. And at least Samuel is still good in combat. They're not, unless you buy the yeah. Hyperball Blade, which you can't because you're not pure Dark Angels. And you don't get access to strats because obviously yeah, you're taking from four different codexes. So the things like the the relic blade to make it decent, you can't access. Um, the strat to shoot when you die, you or fight when you die, or whatever, you you don't have access to. So all that kind of sucks. 
Although I guess there is some consideration. I'll just throw this out there because we talked about Adam's list last week, right? If you just made a Dark Angel detachment, put in a Chaplain Dread or two, and then maybe a Talon Master and Sammy, because the that move after they fight is it seems like would be pretty good uh, with all yeah, of those. It's, uh, it's just CP intensive, and I don't know that uh, Ganyu has a CP to afford that because you're replacing the the Iron Hands, which are CP not intense at all. I literally don't spend any right. for very CP in terms of detachment. Yeah, it's a different list, right? You might go double battalion and then but you know, whatever. Yeah, and I think I think one of the one of the keys there is so for me, the only reason I'd be doing this is team event, right? And the team event that we're talking about here wouldn't let me use Forge World. I think the Chaplain Dreadnought actually opens it up a bit more because I no longer feel like I need to splash for space wolves and now I could realistically justify just one color of marine. Um, but as soon as you lose strats and as soon as you lose, uh, you know, you're not really, you can't take CP intensive stuff. I end up at something like where I mentioned, it's the same reason for Mephiston really. Um, Mephiston at least has access to quickening and wings. So he doesn't really need strats to really have that many attacks. He's not really going to miss the plus D three. He's not going to miss the charging from reserve sort of a thing because he has wings to give him a a lot more reach. He's kind of self-sufficient because if you mix, you still at least get psychic powers. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. That's my rough outline that I want to try with it, but we'll see. That's cool. I I think that's really sweet. Nick, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask? No, I think that just about covers it. We did a really good job talking about the the strategy in this one and just generally how sisters plays. I think it's a very, probably one of the least known about factions. So I'm really happy to shed some light on it. Uh, Ganyo, is there anything you want to add on this discussion before we move on to matchups in part two? No, I think I'm good to move on to matchups. Okay, cool. All right. So I guess it's time to wrap up this strategy discussion and move on to part two. Super excited to hear all about your tactics, Andrew, because uh, as we all know, the devil is in the details. I'm particularly interested in hearing how he handles Space Marines, Iron Hands, and Imperial Fists. Um, if you haven't joined our Patreon yet, I'm going to ask, what are you waiting for? It's just $6 a month, and there isn't a better investment dollar for dollar if you want to get better at 40K. Uh, for all our patrons, part two is ready to download right now. We'll talk to you in a bit. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.